our customers are buying our products because of the mission. You know, there are a hundred sock brands out there, um, but people choose to buy from us because they know that our donations are helping someone in need. Hello and welcome to this episode of Shopify Masters, the podcast powered by Shopify, your companion for starting and building a business. I'm your host, Felix Tia. Stick with me for a bit because today's episode has a traumatic start, but I promise we will have an inspiring and purposeful journey. In 2015, Michael Mader suffered from a brain injury. After that injury, he depended completely on his family and friends financially and emotionally. Through that experience, Michael realized that without his support system, he would have been homeless. The following year, he started Hippie Feet, selling socks with a buy one, give one donation model specifically to help the homeless. Since then, he's donated over 20,000 pairs of socks and has employed youth that are affected by homelessness. Michael is here today to chat about how he's built a profitable business model with the purpose of donating 50% of his profits. Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Felix. Yeah, so can you share a little bit about what happened in 2015? Yeah, so I used to be a long border. Um, I had longer hair than I did at the at the moment, believe it or not. And um, I never wore a helmet, foolishly. So I was uh, skating home uh, one evening and I hit a crack in the road. That crack stopped my longboard, but kept me flying uh, forward. And I ended up landing on the curb. I fractured my orbital bone in a few places and then cracked the inside of my skull, which resulted in a traumatic brain injury, which of course, you know, forced me to drop out of school. I was a senior in college at the time and I had to quit my job as well. So, you know, very quickly I became uh, unable to provide for myself financially. Um, and so that is when my family and friends, those that I considered to be my support group, stepped up and, and offered to help. Yeah, and not not that long after this experience, you decided to start Hippie Feet. What made you make this connection between your experience with this injury and wanting to help the homeless? Yeah, you know, I just realized that homelessness is really um, only a, a bad accident or, you know, a loss of a job away for so many people. And that without my support system, homelessness would have been my most likely outcome. You know, I realized that if I was unable to pay my rent, I would have been evicted from my apartment. If I couldn't afford my groceries, I would have gone hungry. And, and so um, it was just this realization that, you know, we as human beings are so fragile and that our ability to survive is very dependent on the people that we have around us. And so I felt really fortunate to have um, this support system and recognize that there were others that had been in a similar scenario that I had been in that weren't as lucky and that homelessness was their outcome. And so I felt compelled to kind of pay my good fortune forward and, you know, build something that could act as that support system for those that didn't have the system that I did when I experienced my moment of greatest need. And your your desire to help with homelessness started with buy one, give one, but it's evolved since that time. Why did it change throughout the years? What were you seeing that made you decide, okay, let's try to evolve this a bit more? Yeah. So when we started the business, um, you know, I worked on the plan in 2015 following that October accident. I mean, by September of 2016, 11 months later, I had graduated from college and had received about $25,000 of funding to go ahead and start this business. You know, at that time, you know, we were kind of following in the footsteps of Tom's uh, Shoes as well as Love Your Melon. They were both buy one, give one companies. Love Your Melon actually popped up uh, in Minneapolis here as well. So we we're kind of, you know, following the, the footsteps of these giants that had kind of, you know, started this charitable, you know, business model. And so the buy one, give one was the most obvious way for us to get started. However, after we got started, we realized that buy one, give one is 
It's good marketing, but in terms of impact-driven business, it doesn't really, you know, create the change that you would hope to see. Specifically with homelessness, you know, we handed out 20,000 pairs of socks. My business partner and I, um, Sam Harper, were actually the ones in the early days that were handing out those socks. You know, we'd go visit homeless shelters in Minneapolis and St. Paul. We'd um, do some street outreach where we'd literally hand socks out to people on the corner. And after donating 20,000 pairs, you know, we started to see some of the same people over and over and over again. They were always in the same spot or at the same shelter and they still needed socks, sure, but they needed so much more. You know, we felt as if giving somebody a pair of socks addressed a symptom of homelessness instead of addressing the underlying causes of homelessness. You know, it felt like we were slapping a Band-Aid on this really, really complex issue and, you know, using that as, as our marketing. And it felt really inauthentic. Now your charitable initiatives are focused on employment. Can you tell us more about that? Our values from day one were we wanted to have a, a make a difference with our business. You know, we wanted to help the homeless community. But after donating the, the 20,000 pairs, we added a fourth value, and that was let's always continually improve the way that we're giving back. And so we decided in 2018 that we were going to pilot an employment program for young people ages 16 to 24, and we would hire them. Initially, it started as a program called Pop-Up Employment, where we'd go directly to youth shelters um, and hire these young folks uh, for the day to package our products. Eventually, that evolved to an even more uh, robust employment program, an even more impactful employment program, where we hired the same group of individuals for a six-month job training program. That's where we implemented some training that helped with their soft skills, like communication, showing up on time, reporting to a manager, things like that. All kind of the early employment um, skill sets they needed uh, to kind of you know graduate and, and join the workforce. Um, so we started to offer this employment in six-month um, intervals, and we found that that was an even better way for us to have an impact on youth experiencing homelessness. You know, we actually saw a number of youth graduate from that program, find employment elsewhere, find housing elsewhere, and are now totally self-sufficient. So the program itself worked, and that is kind of why we started with a buy one, give one, and ended up doing employment. But today, you know, we donate 50% of our profits because, again, it's a way for us to have an even deeper impact on the youth that we are trying to help. I'll be the first to admit I don't have a social work background. I have a marketing degree. Social work is, is not what I studied in school. And so uh, there were a number of situations that we ran into within the employment program itself where we just felt underqualified. And we realized that, you know, we can actually have a bigger impact by trusting the experts and by giving them a portion of our profits um, to do the great work that they're already doing. Rather than, you know, trying to reinvent the wheel ourselves, we figured we should just support the systems that are already um, doing this kind of work and that are already having an impact and that can have an even deeper impact if they had additional funds generated from Hippie Feet. And what you, what's your process for, for vetting this where deciding where to, to donate the 50% of your profits to? So, you know, we, um, I feel as if we have a good authority um, in terms of finding uh, nonprofit partners to work with that are doing truly incredible work um, because we've done it before. You know, we've, we've worked with youth one-on-one. -on -one. We've had lasting relationships with, with young folks that are trying to get out of homelessness. We've implemented our own employment program. So we can look at a program and say, or a nonprofit and say, okay, they're doing this, that, and the other. Um, we can look at their financials and say, okay, all right, you know, if 15% of their revenues are going towards uh, administrative costs and the other 85% is going towards their actual mission, that to us is an efficient nonprofit partner. If they have programs around employment, around housing, around uh, healthcare, things like, you know, substance abuse and mental uh, health counseling, the kind of holy trinity, if you will, in terms of social services that are needed within the homeless community, 
those are the partners that we decide to fund. You know, we, we look at what they're doing, how efficiently and effective they're doing it. Um, and that is, is how we kind of choose our partners to donate to, as well as, you know, we try and reward the communities where a lot of our revenue is coming out of. So, you know, if you look at uh, the places where we see the most revenue, that's Minneapolis, California, you know, Los Angeles area, New York City, Chicago. So we're also choosing partners in those areas. Right now, our profits are being donated to uh charities in Minneapolis and St. Paul here, where we're from, um, Los Angeles, California, to My Friend's Place, a great nonprofit organization down there, and then to uh, YEP, which is the Youth Empowerment Performance Project uh, based in Chicago, Illinois. Um, then we have goals to expand our footprint of our donations to Austin, Texas, Seattle, New York City, and Denver by the end of this year. That's beautiful. And I get the sense that you're not doing this for business profit, but does this kind of model help the growth of Hippie Feet? Absolutely it does. You know, our, our customers are buying our products because of the mission. You know, there are a hundred sock brands out there, um, but people choose to buy from us because they know that our, our donations are helping someone in need. they buy a pair of socks from us, um, they can be confident that we are donating our, our profits to help um, young people experiencing homelessness. So that is that is the number one reason that people buy from us. Um, we've even ran studies that, that uh, say that, you know, people buy from us because of four reasons. It's the mission to help homeless young people. It's the sustainably made products. It's the design of our products. You know, we really play into the 60s and 70s design elements. And then it's the fact that we manufacture our products in the United States. But number one always has been the um, ability for us to make a difference within the lives of youth experiencing homelessness. I'm talking to Michael Mader, co-founder of Hippie Feet. They sell socks and apparel and donate 50% of their profits to charities that offer services to youth affected by homelessness. You've been to different pitching competitions and eventually won over $20,000 of seed funding from the Wisconsin Big Idea Tournament that you used to start Hippie Feet. Tell us more about that experience. Yeah, that uh, that was a young and naive college kid trying to get something off the ground. Um after my head injury, my advisor at the time, I went into his office about three, four weeks after the accident itself, once I had kind of regained some energy and could be on my feet for extended periods of time. I sat down with him and said, all right, I have an idea for a business. Here's my you know, 30 second elevator pitch. I also want to graduate on time, which means I need to take uh, the 15 credits that I missed from the fall. I need to take those online in the spring and then the 15 credits in the spring that I'm enrolled in in person, I need to complete those as well. And his reaction was, that's gonna be way too hard. You're not a very good student. You should probably drop out and re-enroll in a trade program. I took that really, really personally, and I walked out. I walked into a different advisor's office and said, I just got told no, you better tell me yes. And they did. They said, all right, well, if you want to try and get some revenue for your business or at least some practice to help get it off the ground after you graduate, you should enter into this competition on campus. So, you know, I made a quick business plan. I, I put together a little pitch deck and I believe like four weeks after um, entering the competition, I pitched it. Uh, thankfully for me, there was only two people, uh, myself included, that actually pitched ideas in this competition. I took second at the local level, um, but because uh, only two people competed, those two were also able to advance to the state level, uh, which is where I won um, that tournament against, I believe, 13 other uh, business models um, and students pitching their businesses. Um, so I was able to uh, win the $22,000 in total. Um, felt like a lot of money at the time, uh, but that is still the only funding that Hippie Feet has taken on. And we've been able to kind of bootstrap our business based off of that initial funding um, since then. For anyone else out there that's looking to go down this route of pitching at these competitions, any advice on how to prepare for them? Yeah, you know, uh, 
I think the biggest advice I can give to entrepreneurs, especially to those in college, is to leverage all the the help that is offered to you. Um, I had uh, two absolutely wonderful professors and then a um, advisor um, on campus where I, I went to school at the University of Wisconsin River Falls that spent hours and hours a week with me, um, you know, just helping me refine my uh, business plan, helping me refine my pitch, um, you know, kind of helping even with some of the research process. Um, so I think to prepare for some of these competitions, you know, it's better to not do it alone. Take all of the resources and, and help that are offered to you, especially if you're a college student. I tell, you know, every college student I've ever talked to that if you want to get into entrepreneurship, you should start while you're in college um, because there is just a plethora of resources available to you through your, you know, advisors and your professors. Um, and they all want to see you succeed. You know, no one there is wishing against you or, or rooting against you. They, they all want you to find success, especially if it is um, through entrepreneurship. And so my advice to anybody looking to join these pitch model competitions is to get as much help as you possibly can. Um, talk to your, uh, you know, potential customers, uh, people that you believe uh, are going to be uh, the customers of your business or, or purchasing your product and pitch them, you know, get their feedback and, and take that feedback and implement it into your pitch. Because if you are keeping your customers in mind, your pitch will ultimately uh, land with the people that you're hoping to give you money. You know, I, ideally they're your customers as well. And if you use the customer feedback directly in your pitch, you will oftentimes um, have something that is ready to be launched, you know, uh, following that pitch and, and following, you know, earning any sort of seed funding. So after winning this competition, what were some useful ways that you used the $22,000 and maybe some ways that weren't as useful? Yeah, I think um, the most useful way that we used the, the funding was obviously on our inventory. Um, you know, we launched the business in September of 2016. And at that time, we kind of knew that we needed to have our business, you know, fully operational by the holidays. When we launched in September of 2016, we actually launched without a website. You know, we were in the process of building a website on Shopify and, and kind of getting onboarded there. But when we first brought products out into the world, <clears throat> we introduced them through social media, as well as in some uh, kind of event settings, you know, so we went to a few in-person events, things like music festivals, art fairs, really just in an effort to start bringing in some revenue to sell some of these products that we had, but also to get some customer feedback. We started to kind of go to these events and, you know, it was a great opportunity to talk to, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people in a day and, and kind of give them different versions of our pitch and whatever made their, um, you know, their eyes sparkle the most is what we decided was how we were going to talk about our business when we were able to get it online and, and launch our website. Thankfully, we did launch the website in November of 2016, uh, just in time for kind of those uh, last minute holiday shoppers. And that was enough to give us the revenue to go ahead and buy more inventory to prepare for the following year. So I think the, the best way that we used that fund, uh, that funding was uh, inventory. Some of the worst ways we used it, we probably went to some bad events, you know, the stuff where it, it cost, you know, 500 bucks to be there and we walked away, you know, with $600 in revenue. So I think that was a part of the learning process is trying to figure out, you know, what in-person setting was going to be a good fit for our brand and, and ideally had our customers in attendance. But, you know, we knew that in-person events wasn't going to be the way that we scaled our business. We really saw that as an opportunity just to earn revenue, just to kind of start to grow the amount of cash that we had to reinvest in the business, as well as to talk with our customers, you know, really to get their feedback to see what they resonated uh, with the most in terms of our values of, you know, helping the homeless, sustainability, American-made, et cetera. Um, so we wanted to really 
use those initial funds to get face-to-face with our customers, to start making sales, to generate revenue so that we could build our online presence and eventually you know, grow the company into what it is today. Yeah, I love how you relied on the lean startup methodology to iterate on the business before even having an online store. And you're able to find the right pitch, the right selling points to get across to your customers. You also spent that time asking questions. What were some of the more useful questions that you asked that helped guide the direction of the business? Yeah, so I think some of the the better questions that we asked were kind of centered around our mission. Those early conversations also, you know, led us to making the pivots to our mission. You know, we, we talked about um, buy one, give one. We talked about the need for socks. You know, um, what I learned is that a lot of people didn't realize why socks were important. You know, they had probably seen the, the memes on Facebook about, you know, socks being the most requested article of clothing at homeless shelters, but they, they didn't understand why. And so asking questions around like, why is it important to give socks back to people experiencing homelessness or, you know, having conversations about why the socks were needed in the first place? Um, it, it allowed us to realize that a lot of people have connotations around the homeless community and that we would have to kind of fight those connotations to justify that our mission was an impactful one and worth supporting with their dollars. You know, a lot of times we realized that people had negative connotations around the homeless community. They thought them, thought of them as lazy, thought of them as, um, you know, taking advantage of a system. And in reality, it was people that um, they just, they ran into some misfortune and they didn't have systems of support to um, kind of prop them up after they had fallen down. And so those types of questions and those types of conversations are what really, um, you know, led us to realize that we needed to not only uh, make sure that our, our business had a mission that could impact the homeless community, but it, it, it needed to be the most impactful version of our mission. And that is kind of those early conversations is, is what led us to, you know, start to question the buy one, give one model. In addition to, you know, seeing some of the same faces in the street corners that we were visiting and, and uh, handing out socks to people at shelters, you know, it was the early conversations that made us realize that, hey, there are some negative connotations around homelessness. How can we use our messaging and our marketing to kind of tear down those connotations and, you know, allow people to see the homeless community the same way that we did, which is people who were just dealt a bad hand and needed that extra support to get them back up and on their feet. Yeah, it's really cool to see that while you're giving answers to these questions to your customers, you're also getting answers for yourself on how to market uh, better and getting your message behind the vision and the purpose of your brand through better. So 75% of that $22,000 went into inventory. What was the process for finding the ideal manufacturers? Yeah, believe it or not, it was a difficult process because every manufacturer I called um, didn't want to take a college student seriously. You know, I'd, I'd call these, uh, I get these folks on the phone, and I'd say, "Hey, I'm a, I'm a college student. I'm a graduate this this summer, and my goal is to start a sock company that helps you know people in need." And most of the time, they said, "Yeah, we're we're not going to work with you. We don't we don't see this as a viable business." Um, and so we got rejected probably by ten or fifteen different manufacturers before we found the manufacturer to make our products. And the only reason that we convinced this manufacturer to to take us seriously is is I showed up at their doorstep. Um, I called them, I believe, on a Monday and said. Um, hey, you know, I'm a college student. I'm trying to start this business, and I'm gonna I'm gonna fly down to your facilities tomorrow and come take a look at your 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 machines and and some of the samples that you're gonna be able to create for me. Um, and they were a little surprised and taken aback, but they said, "All right, if you want to fly down here, like we'll show you our facilities, no problem." 
Um, and I showed up the next day. I bought a two-way ticket. You know, I was in North Carolina all of 12 hours. Um, I saw our manufacturing facility. We actually made the first six um, styles of Hippie Feet socks while I was at the facility and uh, left there with a PO submitted. And we had our products on hand about six weeks later. Um, so it, it really took a physical interaction uh, for someone to actually take us seriously. Uh, but it was, it was worth doing because that manufacturer is still um, one of our kind of primary two manufacturers that we work with today. Um, we've developed a really good relationship. Um, and it all started with a phone call and then a 12 hour trip to North Carolina. Yeah, amazing to see how fast things do start rolling once they get started. And I'm excited to hear more from you, Michael, right after this message from Shopify. Hey, Shwang Shan here. I hope you're enjoying Shopify Masters and have been inspired by our guests. But we know we can always do better, so we want to hear from you. We got this short survey that we would love for you to fill out. The address is easy to remember. It's shopify.com slash survey. Head on over there, and if you finish the survey, we got gift cards and other sweet merchandise you could win. Again, that's shopify.com slash survey. Help us make our show better. And thanks. Welcome back. I'm talking to Michael Mader, co-founder of Hippie Feet. They sell socks and apparel and donate 50% of their profits to charities that offer services to youth affected by homelessness. In 2020, you were able to grow your business by 156% by investing in media buying. What kind of advertising were you doing? Yeah, so we were advertising primarily through Instagram and Facebook. Um, of course, this is pre-iOS 14 when, when those two ad platforms were a lot more successful than they are today. Um, but we even um, we even struggled with our media buying, even, even when we had kind of our system and our, our formula figured out. And it was because socks themselves are a seasonal product. In 2020, when we saw that 156% growth, it only happened because we found a product that could offset the seasonality of socks, even still today. I mean, last year, we still did 50% of our revenue uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, and that's pretty common for all of sock businesses. Um, you know, 50% of the world's socks are still sold in the fourth quarter. Um, there's a fun fact about the searchability of socks. Uh, every year around like December 9th, if you look at Google search trends, socks become more popular uh, than Jesus Christ himself. So people are searching for socks in early December more so than they are searching for Jesus. So that just tells you a little bit more about the seasonality of, of the product itself. And that was a seasonality that we had to overcome. Uh, so we saw a lot of success in our early days of media buying in 2020 because we introduced a new product. Um, we actually introduced a friendship bracelet, a beaded gem sewed bracelet that was entirely made by youth experiencing homelessness that wasn't seasonal. You know, we could sell it in... Uh, the springtime and the summertime, warmer weather seasons where people are wearing sandals instead of socks. Um, so that actually allowed us to grow our revenue in the first three quarters of the year, in which previous years we were unable to do. We kind of uh, invested solely in the holiday season, which of course, you know, hurt our cash flow and uh, minimized our growth over the holidays because we didn't have as much uh, capital to deploy. So it was actually these new product lines, these jewelry items, these friendship bracelets that allowed us to see profitable ads through Facebook and Instagram in the first three quarters of the year. And then we were able to use that new audience that we had built, you know, all those hits to our website, all those new customers that we had generated to kind of really double down on the holidays and make it an even more impactful, even uh, larger um, revenue season for us than it had been in years prior. 
Yeah, you mentioned that this was happening at a time before the more recent iOS updates. Can you say more about that for folks that might not be aware? Like, what was the change that affected the 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 way that you were advertising online due to iOS updates? Yeah, it's all about data privacy. So Apple, as a business, you know, they have the most amount of people owning iPhones compared to any other phone company, meaning they have the most amount of data on all those people. Um, Apple decided that they were not going to share that data with third-party apps, including Facebook and Instagram. So all of a sudden, you know, I believe of the of the world's iPhone users, only like four to six percent of them said, yes, you can share my data with third-party companies and third-party apps. So we just lost a tremendous amount of data and tremendous amount of information that we use to target our customers. It really kind of blinded us. You know, It forced us to um, kind of just rely on our own data, which we did not have as much of it as, you know, say, Apple or Facebook or Instagram did. It forced us to rely on our own data to reach our customers. And when you don't have as much data, the cost to reach those customers just grows uh, exponentially. And it, it really damaged our ability to uh, cheaply find new customers. You know, it hurt, it hurt the return on ad spend. It hurt our CPM. It, it really kind of affected everything. Um, so we had to come up with new solutions to kind of reach customers um, and new solutions to generate revenue and, and what would be our off-season. Yeah, did you also make any changes to the business model other than adding in new products that were not as seasonal, like to make up ground due to these advertising limitations? Of course. Um, the biggest, uh, and this is something that we had introduced probably in 2017. By 2018, we considered it a legitimate revenue stream for us. And it's actually our ability to sell socks business to business. Um, so we introduced a custom socks program uh, at the end of 2017, early 2018, um, where we would kind of reach out to other organizations and try and sell them our products, but with their logos and branding knit into the socks that we sell them. That is a portion of our business that we spent a lot of time on in the last 18 months, trying to come up with a new sales strategy, a new system um, for how we reach these folks, as well as how we allow these folks to find us on the internet. Things like you know SEO, some targeted ads through Google and, and LinkedIn have been successful for us uh, from a B2B standpoint in the past as well. Uh, but it really comes down to our ability to um, reach these customers through cold email outreach. So we have created a B2B system that allows us to use uh, we actually use virtual assistants in the Philippines as well as uh, Pakistan and India um, to kind of work as uh, admins that support my role as as kind of you know, chief revenue driver, if you will. They uh, allow us to kind of reach a larger audience, um, those that would be decision makers at companies that are purchasing, you know, company swag or promotional products for events, holiday gifts, um, new hire kits, things like that. So it allows us to reach these decision makers and then pitch them on why buying their promotional products from Hippie Feed has a bigger impact than it does by just purchasing a generic branded coffee uh, mug or pen, you know, the, the kind of typical promotional products out in the world. Uh, we were able to kind of convince folks that ours are better, not just because of, of the sustainably made products or the American made products, but more importantly, the fact that we are donating 50% of our profits to help uh, young people experiencing homelessness. So that has been the biggest driver of growth this year. Um, I'm at, we're actually currently up 136% year to date for 2022 when compared to 2021. But if you look at our business to business growth, um, that has actually grown 371% compared to last year. Year. We still expect to do half of our revenue in the fourth quarter, um, but the difference is we have a much stronger cash position, much higher revenue than we did in years prior in July. 
You know, we're we're sitting um, on more cash, more revenue than we have in any year prior, which is uh, going to allow us to have an even bigger and better holiday season if we just reinvest that cash in our um, you know media buying, knowing that we will see better ROAS. Um, cheaper costs to reach our customers in the fourth quarter because that's just the time of year where people are purchasing stocks in the first place. You recently found success collaborating with an NFL player from your home state of Minnesota, Eric Kendrick. Yeah. He was willing to put his name and likeness to your collection of products. How did this partnership come about? This partnership came about because Eric Hendricks is just an incredible human being who has a tremendous amount of passion for helping folks in his community. You know, after the murder of George Floyd, he really stepped up and became a leader on the Vikings in terms of deploying his own capital, as well as um, kind of, you know, allowing the Vikings to deploy their capital to charitable uh, funds within the Twin Cities community here. Um, the way that we got introduced to Eric was through another partnership that uh, Hippie Feet has had um, with the Masonic Children's Hospital in the Twin Cities. Um, it's kind of always just been a, a scratch my back, all scratch yours type relationship where we'll donate socks for their events if they need um, you know, socks for their golf tournament or if they need um, socks for, you know, fathers that are, um, you know, coming into the hospital to see children that are had, have been admitted to the hospital or if it's, um, you know, funding to support their foster care initiatives. Obviously, that one ties really closely to our mission to help the homeless community because about 70% of kids in foster care eventually age out of foster and, and become homeless themselves. Um, so we've kind of just kept this relationship with the hospital over the years. And they actually were able to introduce us to Eric, who so generously said, hey, I am just looking to have an impact through this partnership. And, uh, you know, there was no financial relationship between us and Eric outside of the fact that he just allowed us to use his name and his likeness um, and his platform to reach new audiences and to sell products that he actually co-designed with us. Um, so he's really into cars um, as well as football, of course. But we introduced kind of like a 70s race theme uh, collection of apparel and socks, all with Eric's 54 number branded on the socks themselves and, and the apparel items themselves. So it was a really great collaboration because it just aligned uh, our organization with an individual in the community that had shared values and had a shared passion for giving back to people um, experiencing homelessness or poverty. So that's really how that uh, collaboration came about. And it was a huge success. I mean, we've sold out of all the apparel items, I believe, three times over and, and reintroduced them. Um, but it was a really successful collaboration for us. And it also led to different collaborations. Um, it kind of made us realize that there are people out there with platforms that we can access, that we can partner with, that we can pay to design products for us and then share those products with their their following on, on social media. That introduced kind of our workaround, if you will, to the, you know, kind of difficulties brought on by iOS 14. You know, we are now working with influencers, illustrators, and artists to design products um, that they then share with their platform, um, which drives traffic to our website, which drives revenue, um, and then allows us to retarget these folks later, again, closer to the holidays when we know that there is going to be just an increase of purchases for our products, specifically socks. I love how you're figuring your way out through all of these obstacles. What's next for Hippie Feet? Yeah, I think, um, you know, for us, we really want to focus on growth still. You know, we, we've been fortunate enough to grow the last two years. We're on track to grow again this year. Um, and the ways that we're going to achieve that growth is through a 
um, continued uh, kind of collaboration strategy where we are always going to be trying to find new artists, illustrators, athletes, uh, influencers to collaborate with. Again, it allows us to tap into their platform. It allows them to align themselves with the charitable brand. They can make a difference um, within you know their community as well as ours. So really leveraging um, our collaborations for growth, introducing new products that will help offset the seasonality, uh, whether that be more jewelry items like bracelets or, or different apparel items. Um, you know, we expanded into apparel a few years ago. One of our best-selling products has always been our sweaters in the fourth quarter. Um, knitwear is kind of my expertise from a product development standpoint. And so a, a knit sweater is, is something that's very familiar with me. And, and we've had a lot of success designing and, and selling sweaters. So I think our, our focus now is going to be on growth, not just with our revenue, but also with our ability to have an impact on the community. Um, you know, this is our first year of donating 50% of our profits. We're trying to make the biggest splash we possibly can from a monetary standpoint of how much we donate at the end of the year. So we're going to kind of focus on a few nonprofits this year. But after that, I think I'd really like to see us uh, open up the um, kind of geographical area that we're able to have an impact in through our donations. Again, kind of targeting some of these cities that A, have a, a, a high population of young people experiencing homelessness, but B, also have a high population of our customers. Um, so I think that's, that's, that's what's in store for us moving forward. Thank you so much for joining me today. Michael Mader, co-founder of Hippie Feet. They sell socks and apparel and donate 50% of their profits to nonprofit organizations serving young people experiencing homelessness. Thank you so much. Thanks, Felix. And that's all the time we have this week. Come hang out with us next time on Shopify Masters. Again, I'm Felix Tia. Take care.